0: with us, uh, one of the pastors here, and it is just a joy uh, for us to be able to gather here together. I do want to say as well, just a welcome to those that are watching online. Thanks for tuning in uh, today, and then to the guys down in Mod 7, we just want to welcome you. Yeah, let's give it a round of applause for them. It's great to have them here. We are pulling for you, and uh, we really do believe as a church, your best days are ahead, and so thanks for gathering together down there. We are uh, proud of you for doing that today. Um, Also want to welcome our Elkhorn campus. Let's give it up for them this morning. Week three down in Elkhorn and uh, just so fun. I've been leaving this campus on Sunday mornings afterwards and and heading to Elkhorn just to kind of connect with Brad and whoever's left there and uh, just say hello and it's been so fun to hear the stories of what God is doing now in that part of our city, so we're privileged to be a part of it. If you're newer to Brookside, um, you know, our mission statement as a church, the, really the reason why we exist, it's, it's very simple. It's that we want to lead people, uh, to, we want to help them find and follow Jesus Christ. We want to lead them into relationship with him, and we, we really believe that that entails those two things, helping them find him, but then also once a person finds Christ, what does it mean to grow up in him? What does it mean to begin to follow him? And so that is the reason why we exist. And, and I want to encourage you with this this morning, Brookside. Um, we say around here a lot, we ask this question. We say, who's my one? Who's your one today? And uh, so we ask that question because we know that we all interact with people, right, in the community every single day throughout our weeks. And, and we know that if we'll ask that question, Lord, who's my one today? We know that there'll be times where we'll come across somebody and we'll be reminded of the goodness of the grace of Jesus Christ in our own lives, and that that will cause us then to say, you know what, not in a gimmicky or manipulative kind of way, but just in an overflow. God, you've been so good to me. Um, who's my one today? Lord, who could I share you with today? And, um, and who could I make an invitation to? And all of that kind of thing. And, and I just want to say to you, Brookside, uh, way to go. You're doing that consistently. It's very evident. And, um, and again, we do that because we really believe, Lord, who's my one? We ask that question because God's been so good to us as a church. And uh, so for us to be able to stand back and just to say, wow, Lord, who could I share that with today um, is an absolute privilege. Uh, well, we're going to continue in our series uh, today. Today we're in part three of a five-part series, and, and this series is called Be Remarkable. And we're talking about five values that if they were to define your life, like if you got to the end of your days and it was either said of you or it was said of our church, uh, those values defined you. We really believe that you would leave not just a good, not just an okay, but you would really leave... A, a legacy that is one that would be said of you wow that's a remarkable legacy and so what we're doing in this series is we're we're going to God's word and we're saying okay these five values that come straight out of the scriptures Lord, what do you want us to think about them? Lord, how can they really rise to the top for us as a church? And so in this series, these five that we're looking at, these are our core values as a church. And so if you're newer to Brookside, I'm so glad that you're here during this time because it's really going to give you an idea, what are we about as a church? Where are we going? What do we value? What are the values that really come underneath that mission statement that I already shared with you, helping people find and follow Jesus Christ? How do we get there? And these five things really rise up to the top. So in week one, let's a quick review here. In week one, we talked about our value that is defined like this. We say it like this around here. All people matter to God. And since all people matter to God, we really believe around here that every single person deserves dignity. Everyone has purpose, and everyone is welcome. And so in week one, we had a blast. We looked at Luke chapter 10, and we saw this incredible story where Jesus makes it very clear that there should be no dividing walls between people. that, that, That our God is the kind of God that looks at everyone and he longs for people to know and to love him. And so we've been asking that question, okay, what does it mean then for Brookside to be a church where we really live this out? All people matter to God. And so we look at groups like the foster, kids in the foster care system. It's why we do the care center. It's why we're privileged to have a campus down at the, 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 the correctional facility. Uh, that's, a, that's a privilege for us because all people matter to God. It's why we have a, a special friends ministry. It's why we do the things we do, but it's also why as individuals we say, Lord, what does it mean for me? Do I have any walls in my life that I need to get broken down? Because if all people matter to you, they need to matter to me. So that was week one. Week two then, we talked about this value of what we call around here. We call it biblical authority. And what it means is this, is that we look to God's Word uh, above and beyond every other book that we could come across, above any other words that we could say, these are the authority in my life. We look to God's Word and we say, Lord, your Word is the authority in my life. And so we believe around here, we look to it for truth, for direction, and for inspiration. Uh, What we love about God's Word is not only did God choose to speak to us, and, and, and that's a, we said this last weekend, that's an absolute gift. I mean, think about this, everybody. The creator of the universe loved you and I enough that he said, hey, I'm going to speak to you. I long for you to know me. And so I'm going to speak directly to you. And not just about anything. I'm going to talk to you about the things in life that matter the most. You're going to be able to tell through this, through this book, through God's word, how can you know the living God? You're going to be able to, to know beyond a shadow of a doubt what does it mean to have hope in Jesus Christ. You're going to be able to figure out what is my identity. The world might say this is who I am, but what does this book say about who I am? And so we look to God's word and we say it is our absolute authority and we gladly submit to it. Today's value is another one that rises to the top. And I'm so excited to talk to to you about this one. Today's value is all about the future. Today's value is us thinking as a church about a group of people and prioritizing them because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so excited to talk to you about this one. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to pray for us now. And, uh, and let's just ask the Lord, would he speak to us this morning, and then we'll dive into our topic. So pray with me now. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, you are good to us. And um, Father, as your children this morning, we simply want to say to you today, Lord, Lord, would you speak to us? God, we're, we're listening to you. We want to be the kind of church, Lord, that when you speak, we listen. We want to be the, the kind of church that when we know the truth, we have the courage to respond. We want to be the kind of church that welcomes people that come into these doors. And, and everybody, maybe this is you today. Maybe you come with a heavy heart today. And I would just say the Lord longs to meet you right there this morning. Maybe you come today and you have a ton of joy in your heart and in your life. The Lord rejoices with you today. And so, Lord, we simply say to you now, Lord, would you speak to us? God, would you speak to us? We need to. So, church, right now, would you invite the Lord? Would you say, Lord, would you speak to me today? Lord, would you speak to me today? Lord, I thank you that every time we pray a prayer like that, Lord, you respond. And uh, that's just an absolute privilege for us to know that so lord i pray now that the words of my mouth would be so pleasing to you god and so i pray you direct us i pray your scriptures would come to life for us we pray this now in christ's name amen well look who showed up isn't this, isn't this cool uh this here is the picture of the, what we're going to talk about today this is a picture of the next generation uh let's give it up for them right isn't it good to see them Yes, yeah. great to see them So what we're going to talk about today is the future. And my goal is two parts today. And I won't make them stand up here for the whole message if you want. wondering. My goal is two parts today. Number one, I want us to look at the scriptures and I want us to be able to say, okay, what does God think and feel about the next generation? That's very important. Uh, but number two, I want to do this today with you as well. I want to say thank you to so many of you uh, because we truly have a church that cares about the next generation. And so we'll kind of get to that and I'll unpack that as we go. But the next generation, if I could say it very simply, I would say it this way, it really matters to us as a church. It matters for some very obvious reasons. The next generation is the future. Uh, The next generation, this group and who they represent, there are future leaders, right? There are future business people. There are future moms and dads. There are future coaches and teachers and pastors. They are the future that will one day be really shaping the culture that you and I get to live in. That's the next generation. And so what we do when we think about the next generation, when we think about the impact that they will have, we really feel a responsibility as a church to not only try to shape the things that they do, but most importantly, we want to shape who they will become. Because we know who they will become will dramatically shape the culture that you and I live in. And so we take this value very seriously as a church. The youngest up here, clear down here, is four years old. Hi, Teddy. Can everybody say hi, Teddy? Teddy, you got a lot of people just say hi to you. Teddy's got a birthday coming up. He's going to be four on December 1st, so that's exciting. Um, at four, and then she got four years old, and we're going to work our way all the way up to, Luke, how old are you today? 17. So we're going to go all the way to 17 today. Um, this is the next generation. What do you say? She's old, 18? 19. Okay, that's great. Thanks for clearing that up. That's good. Yeah, Sierra, you didn't want that to go under the, your radar. Yeah, I like that. Now, here's what I want you to know, everybody. Data analysts say this. There's a window known as the 414 window. So if you go clear down here to Teddy, four years old, four years old, and then you go up this way, and we kind of cruise up here, Ashton, she'll be 12 tomorrow, and then we continue on up, and we get to 14. This guy here, this is my son Aiden, our oldest son, and I just want to clear something up really quick because some of you are thinking, oh, he looks taller than you, but I just want (laughs) to say this to you. I just want to say this to you. There's something with the cameras and the stage and the hide, and I, I can't explain it to you. It's too difficult. But if, you, if it looks off to you, then see your doctor. You know, anyway, all right. Thanks. All right. Hey, uh, so back to 4 to 14. So 4 to 14. Barna's research says this. Between 4 and 14, something very significant happens. Adults who are followers of Jesus Christ, when they look back on their lives from 4 to 14, guess what the percent is? percentages of those who became Christian during that that period of time? 63%. Now, if we go then from 14 and we go all the way up, 19, there we go, we go to 19, guess what? That percent, actually, if we go all the way to 21, that percentage goes clear over 75%. Think about that. Adults who are surveyed, who came to know Jesus Christ, that are actively living with Jesus Christ say this, between four years old all the way to 21 years old, over 75% of adults who know Jesus came to know him during this period of time. Meaning, the next generation is vital. The next generation is so important. And it's not only important, church, for you to know this, it's not only important to us, and it's not only important to the future, but it's also very, very, very important to God. I was talking to our youngest son right down there, and I I said to him, uh, he was asking me, he said, well, what's the next generation? What do you mean by that? And I said simply this. um, I I told him about it, and then he kind of recapped it to me, and he said, okay, so the next generation means this. If we reach the next generation, then he said, my generation will look at the coming generation, and they'll pour into that generation, and then that generation will become the, the church. And I said, yes, exactly. It is so important. You see, what this generation does and who they become, it is incredibly important. Again, not just for the future, not just important to us, but incredibly important to God. Uh, look, with, look with me at these verses. Turn to Matthew chapter 10 if you've got a Bible. I want to share these, or Mark chapter 10. I want to share these verses with you. Starting in verse 13, Jesus makes a huge value statement. Sometimes if you want to know what's important to somebody, see what makes them mad, right? Right? It says that people were, verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. They they were saying, in essence, they were saying, hey, uh, leave Jesus alone. Jesus has more important things than to have the little kids with him and, and the teens with him. No, 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 come on, leave Jesus alone. He has other things to deal with. Verse 14, when Jesus, though, saw this, it says he was indignant that's not a good thing for Jesus to be. And he, says that he said to them, let, no, 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 let the little children come to me. Oh, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Verse 15, very truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them know this jesus not only said hey i don't want you to ignore the next generation jesus said this generation is so important to me that i'm actually going to rebuke you for ignoring them and on top of that as i'm sitting there with them i'm going to remind you that i'm actually going to tell them the most important things the most important things belong to them to the next generation what was that was the knowledge of the kingdom of God what Jesus was saying was I'm going to tell the next generation how they can know me there's nothing more important that he could share with anyone and who was Jesus choosing to share it with the children the next generation you know what I just tried to think this week what was going through the mind of Jesus at this time in his life think about this everybody Jesus was about to go to the cross Jesus knew I'm about to die for humanity my life is going to pay a price so that the teddies all the way up to the Luke's, can know who I am. And I bet you he had this thought going through his mind. The disciples are one group. They're one generation. They're the one that, that, that kind of said, this, I don't have time for this group. But he's sitting then with this group, and he's saying, oh, you're so important to me. And you know why? Because Jesus knew that the legacy of faith, he wanted all people. He wanted the next generation and the next and the next. And you know where that ends up? Here we are 2,000 years later telling the story about Jesus Christ. Why? Well, Because the message has continued on through who? Through the next generation. Because there were next generations of people that said, we've got to pass this on. We can't keep this silent. We've got to pass this on. We've got to value the next generation. And before I have this group sit down, I want to you to imagine this, and this is what we're going to see today in the Psalm 78 that we're going to really dive into. I want you to imagine for a minute, I want you to imagine what it would be like if an entire generation did not know God. Imagine if there was an entire generation that the current generation got so inward focused that they forgot about the next generation. Imagine the impact that that would have. Know this, when Psalm 78 gets written, it gets written from the perspective of people that felt what it was like to have seen an entire generation not valuing the things of God enough to model them and to pass them down. And that's where Psalm 78 gets written. And it's this reminder for us. I also want to mention this to you this morning. This group from four years old in our church all the way, I think all the way to 18 years old. I want you to know, Brookside, and I, I hope that this number will hit you like it hit me this week, at least partially. It hit me really heavy this week because know this. When we look at the numbers of people that are coming through our church, the next generation, uh, a zero all the way up to, to 18 years old, that number, church, is 700 every single week. We see about 700 of the next generation coming through our doors. And I mention that to you again just for a couple of reasons. One, I want to say, well done. That's evidence you care about the next generation. But number two, I want to say it to you because particularly if you're a member of our church, we have a huge responsibility as a church to look at the next generation and say, Lord, you have, whoa, given us an incredible gift. We don't deserve it, but we have them. And they're coming. And so, God, we have to steward this so incredibly well. And so my prayer this morning is that we'll look at Psalm 78, and we'll see from the perspective of of a group that knew historically what it was like for a whole generation to have been forgotten when it came to the things of God. I pray that God will speak to us through this psalm this morning. Think about that, everyone. 700 of next-generation students in this church. Imagine what God could do through them. When you think about community leaders... You think about world leaders. You think about city leaders. We're praying big prayers around here. We really believe that God could do such significant things through them. The question that I want us to ask this morning is this. We'll put this up. Here it is. What is the faith of the next generation worth to us? Let me ask you. What is your children's faith worth to you? What is your children's children's faith worth to you? What is those children's children's? faith worth to you, to us? I had all week to think about it, so let me give you my answer and I believe it's yours as well. It's worth everything. Everybody, what could be greater? What could be greater than passing on the message of faith? And so do this now, flip in your Bible now from Mark 10, flip to Psalm 78. Let's thank this group. You guys were great. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. thank you. Okay, let's start. um, Let me give you a little bit of context. You can look at verse 1, though. That's where we're going to start off in this passage. Let me give you some context. It probably says in your Bible, at the top of it, it says that this psalm was written by Asaph. Who's Asaph? That would be a question that I would ask if I were you. If we look at 1 Chronicles chapter 6, we see that Asaph is mentioned along with others as one of the men who was in charge of music at the temple. Uh, later in the Old Testament, we see this, this phrase, "sons of Asaph," and what we know about the sons of Asaph, we see them mention a few more times. Uh, First Chronicles 25, Second Chronicles 20, Ezra chapter 2. These sons of Asaph were probably a group of very skilled two things: poets and musicians. Uh, They were a group of people that were musically inclined, but they were definitely shepherding and they were definitely shaping. They were invested in the formation of God's people. Now, what's unique about Psalm 78 is this. It's written from the perspective of it really recounts the history of God's people, how God's people came into relationship with him. Historically, think of this time frame. It's, it's from this period of time when God led them in the Exodus times all the way through the time of King David. And that's likely when this psalm was written. Last thing I want to mention before we dive into verse 1. A lot of the psalms are written from this perspective. Of they, they give praise to God. They're very reflective, right? You read through the psalms and you go, oh, I'm reminded of who God is. I'm reminded of who I am. This psalm is that, but this psalm is very instructive as well. And so kind of put that hat on, you know, kind of put that mindset on right now going, okay, this psalm is actually going to instruct us this morning. Look at verse 1. Asaph writes this, my people, he says, this is important, hear my teachings, Uh, listen to the words of my mouth. He's saying, in other words, this is very important. He's saying, I don't want you to miss this. You've got to listen to the words of my mouth. There's a sense of urgency here. He says, I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told them, told us. Now, is not it true that there are certain things that get passed on because they're very noble? Maybe you have some things that you can think of that people ahead of you were very intentional to pass on, and it's usually not you know, what your favorite food is. It's things that are important, right? He's saying that, that there are some very important things, and what he's going to do now is he's going to recount. He's going to recount the saving work of God. He's going to talk about the deeds of God among them. Verse 4, we, and he's talking to the adults in the crowd, particularly parents. He says, we, we will not hide them from their descendants, the deeds of God. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. His po- he explains it now. His power and the wonders he has done. In this verse, what it is, is it's, it's giving us this sense of responsibility. Okay, as, as the, the current generation, as we look at the next generation, we have this sense of responsibility, okay, particularly parents, but even collectively as a church, we look at the next generation and we say, they've got to know about the power of God. They've got to know the praiseworthy deeds of God. They've got to understand the the wonders of who God is. The question that came to my mind this week was, does the future generation hear the current generation bragging about the wonders of God enough? In the context of our homes, is God a household name? Are we the kind of people, everybody? Parents, leaders, everyone in here, church, everyone. It takes everyone. Are we the kind of people that when we talk about God, we talk about his goodness and his greatness, are we open about how much we need God? You've heard it said more is caught than is taught. That's a true statement, isn't it? What does the next generation just pick up from us? What do they catch from us? Are we bragging about the faithfulness of God when we see his faithfulness in our lives? Do we see him work? And when we do, do we talk about it? Do we share about it? Do our kids know maybe not so much what sports team is the most important to us, but do they know even greater than that our God, who he is, what we long for them to know about him? Are we actively sharing those things? I've got to tell you, I've heard many of your stories over the years. Um, all of you, you all have a God story. Some of you met God at a very young age. For others of you, you met God as an adult. Your story is important for the next generation to know. It's inspiring to them. Now know this. The next generation, one thing they don't need is this. They do not need a perfect version of you. They don't need that. Uh, the next generation doesn't need for you to get everything figured out and to know your Bible from cover to cover before you're ready to tell them about God. No, the next generation needs to see you and I boldly depending on God. It's the greatest gift that we could give them. You know, just this week, just I think it was yesterday in our three sixty five reading, we had Psalm uh, one twenty four, and one of the verses said this: "Our help is in the name of the Lord." the maker of heaven and earth. Know this, if we're the kind of people that we say, Lord, my help is in you. Lord, I need you. God, would you come through? Lord, my help is in the name of the Lord. God, you are the maker of heaven and earth. So I'm painting a big picture of who God is. If our kids can see we are dependent on God as imperfect people, that's the greatest thing that we could give them. It's an incredible gift to them. We don't need to be perfect, but they do need to see this. They need to see we need God. They need to see we're depending on God. They need to see we're, we're stepping out, even sometimes and taking risks for God, and we're really depending on him. What kind of faith is the next generation seeing? Look at verse 5. It says, he decreed statutes for Jacob. And he established the law in Israel. In other words, he made known to them the ways of God. He made known to them about their past. And then he says this, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. Well, here's the role of the parents and the stewardship here of the church this morning. Look at verse 6. He answers the question, okay, why all of this? So the next generation would know them even the children yet uh, yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. So from one generation to the next, that the ways of God are passed down. Why? Look at verse 7. It says, Then they will put their trust in God. Think of those students and those kids that were just up here. They will have plenty of options of things to put their trust in. What the psalmist is saying is this. If we'll be the kind of people that will, will cherish the message of the scriptures, we'll, we'll look at our God and we'll say, wow, God, you are my maker. God, I do need you. I'm not perfect. God, this is actually where I'm weak, child. Listen to this. I need help here. God, you're helping me. If we'll steward that well, what it's saying is this. The next generation, they'll put their trust in God. And then it says this, and that they would not forget his deeds, but would keep his Commands. If the, next gener- if the current generation will steward well the things of God, the next generation, it's saying, is going to follow the ways of God. Now, is that always perfect? Absolutely not. But you understand what this is saying. Look at verse 8. It says, they would not be like their ancestors. And, and now this is, this is such an indictment on the past generation. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God to God. If you fast forward in Psalm 78 to verse 22, what you find is this. It says that they did not believe in God or trust in God for his deliverance. And then it says this about them, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God. And then it says, whose spirits were not faithful to him. The psalmist is writing from this place of wisdom, and I believe it's almost, a, even you can tell by the way he starts it, it's a, it's very passionate. It's from a sense of urgency. And it's as though the psalmist is saying, hey, we've experienced a whole generation that got forgotten about. We know what that's like, and we know the impact that it has. And so this psalmist is trying to set a trajectory. It's saying, hey, church, well, let's live such a live faith. that, that, that Let's create such a picture of who our God is such a big picture, such a a picture that, God, you are so faithful, and, God, you are so good, and that when the next generation wonders who will they trust, because they will wonder who to trust, when they do, though, as us, as this generation let's have set such a good tone for them that they will look at the options that the world could give them and they will say, why would I choose those options when I could know the God that I've been hearing about again and again and again? Wouldn't it be great if when the next generation is tempted by all the other options that they'll get that you and I face every day, if they would say, you know what, but when I choose God, it is easy for me to choose him because he is by far the greatest one to choose because i've i've heard that all my life it's been passed down to me these words stand out to me from verse 7 that they it says that the next generation would trust in god not forgetting his deeds keeping his commands everybody imagine in our church 700 of them doing so imagine A.W. Tozer put it like this. He said it so well. He said, it, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I think that's an incredible quote. I mean, think about that. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing to us. He was spot on when he said that. But what that means for us is this, is that as the current generation, what comes into our minds and what we communicate about who God is, It is also not the most important thing about us, but how we deliver that to the next generation is the greatest gift that we could possibly give them. Grandparents, the greatest thing you can do is shape the view of your grandchildren's view of God. The greatest thing you could do is to help them understand who God is. Parents, the greatest thing that you could do is to speak often about God. The the, the name of God would be a household name in your home that you would often tell your children, here's how I need God. Uh, Maybe if you have younger children and you're opening up like a Jesus storybook Bible or whatever you use and and you're going through a story and the story's about courage at the end and you just tell your little son or daughter and you say, you know what, there was a time when I needed courage. So I had to trust in God and I saw God come through. Or it's a time when you apologize to your children, but then you remind them, you connect. Hey, okay, I need forgiveness and oh, this great book, it talks about forgiveness and we can have hope in Christ. Everybody, we have got to paint a view of our God that our children, that the next generation will say, I cannot live without him. I need his grace just as much as my dad does, just as much as my mom does. Parents, if I could just speak directly to you for a moment. The responsibility of discipling your children, it is on us. And when I say us, I do not mean Brookside Church. I mean us like us, parents. (laughs) The responsibility of discipling your children is on you, parents. It's on you. Statistically, I think the facts are our friends in this. Statistically speaking, parents, you are the people in your child's life that have the most influence. You have the most influence on paper just with time. You have more time with them than anyone else. Surely more time than we get as a church. You are the primary disciples of your children. You have the greatest responsibility. You will stand before God and give an account for that. That should cause us the way it causes me to think about my own home, but also to think about this group of 700 as a church. It causes me to go, whoa, that's humbling, and that's weighty, and that's okay. And the good news is God helps us in those things. Then the church's role, think about this, everybody, what a privilege it is. Everybody, the church's role then is we get to come alongside these parents. We get to help them. We get to try to equip them. And we're learning how did we do that even better? How can we succeed so well in this as a church? And as it comes to that part, church, your role, I want to say thank you to so many of you. Thank you so much because so many of you are so engaged in the lives of the next generation in this church. You know, I was here this past Wednesday night for a little bit and just walking around. Our programs were going on and I walked past our high school, high school group they were meeting and, and they, were just, they were just talking about the fall retreat and students were coming up to the front and, and sharing about the, the impact that last weekend had on their lives. And one of them said this, one of them said, I was ready to renounce my faith, I was ready to give up, but because of this retreat and how God was working so powerfully in my life this last weekend, I'm not going to give up but I'm going to keep striving after Jesus Christ. Think about that, everybody. You are a part of that. You are a part of that as a church. I was talking to Blaze, our high school pastor, before that weekend, and, and we had over 50 volunteers go on this retreat, and Blaze said to me, he said, we have 32 high school leaders, high school leaders that, that, that really shepherd our small groups in our high school ministry. And he said, Jeff, you'll never believe this. Of the 32, 31 of them went on this retreat all weekend long, and the one that couldn't go was home with a newborn. So we give some passes, you know, on some small things like that, right? But think about that, everybody. What does that communicate to the next generation? That communicates that in this church, next generation, you are very important to us. We will drop our plans to go invest in your life. Thank you, church. Thank you for being that kind of church. You know, one of our kids volunteers just a couple weeks ago had a kid in their small group that was, their family was going to be a part of the launch team out in Elkhorn. And their child was having a hard time with that. Their child was having a hard time with this idea. I'm going to leave my small group to go be a part of this new church. And Lord, are you? wow, that's that's tough for me. And so this leader, I love this. The leader took the time to write the child a letter. What did the, the letter say? Well, it encouraged the child. Came alongside the child. You're doing a great thing. I love what you're doing. God's going to be with you. You're going to get a new leader. It's going to be great. Think about that, everybody. We had a leader that took the time to do that. One of my own kids is watching their adult leader in the midst of a dating relationship right now. And as they're watching that from a distance, they're seeing how they can do that in a way that honors God. Can I say thank you? Holy cow, thank you thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, yes. That's a big deal, isn't it? Everybody, what you're doing for the next generation around here, it matters. We have college students investing in the next generation. We have adults who are single investing in the next generation. We have married people with kids involved with the next generation. We have several senior adults in this church, several of our seniors investing, pouring themselves in the next generation. And I just want to share this verse with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. And I love going to this verse because there are times when you wonder if what you're doing, if your investment is actually worth it. The Apostle Paul, they struggle with the same things. And so the Apostle Paul looks at leaders, people that are investing in God-sized things, and he says this to them. Leaders, please hear this. Therefore, Paul says, My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And then he says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know, here it is, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When you sacrifice, when you give, when you invest, when you say, you know what, I'm going to put the purposes of God above my own preferences, it's not in vain. It's not in vain. When we ask that question, what is the faith of the next generation worth to us? What is it worth to you? Many of you, you answer that question by the things that you're doing. Lastly, I just want to say this. I want to speak directly to the group in our church that, the, that is at the end of our age range, our seniors. And I want to specifically speak to you because you could go somewhere where your preferences are better met. You could. You really could. That's no secret. But I just want to say thank you to to you this morning. Because so many of you in that category, again, you put your personal preferences in a category, and then you step over here and you go, well, these are the purposes of God. And you say the purposes of God in my life are going to trump my own personal preferences. And I just want to say thank you to you. If you're here and you have gray hair, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I also want you to hear this. We could not do it without you. We wouldn't want to do it without you. We believe that if we were just a next generation church, if we were just a young church, we would be an unwise, dumb church. We don't want to be that. Instead, our mission, and we try to be clear about this, we want to be a multi-generational church because it takes everybody that is reaching the next generation. We want to be a multi-generational church, a church that of, of people that are seniors all the way down to people in college that go, you know what? The greatest thing I can do is not just to look at my own life, but I can look at those that are coming behind me, the next generation, and oh, how can I transfer the things that God, you have so blessed me with into their lives? One of the prayers we pray around here a lot is this. When we look at the next generation, We pray, God, would you make them the greatest men and women of their generation as it pertains to their influence for the things of God. Church, thank you for praying for our next generation. Thank you for investing. Thank you for giving your time and your talents. We need all of us to do this. I want to close this way. I want to just pray together. And as together as a church, I want us to pray, God, would you continue to give us the grace to reach the next generation? But, Lord, would you also help us? We need God's grace, don't we, church? We need to steward this group that he's entrusted to us so incredibly well. So pray with me. Pray with me. Lord, I thank you that you cared about the next generation. You modeled it to us. And so, Lord, we want to do that. We want to follow right in that. And, Father, I pray this morning um, for several different groups. But one of the first groups, Lord, I want to pray for is our parents. If you're a parent here today, we want to pray over you. And so right now, Lord, we pray for our parents. We pray, God, that you would give them wisdom. We pray that you would give them discernment. God, we pray that their children would be raised in homes, that the most important thing, the household name of God, is made known again and again and again. And again, not from a perfect perspective, but from an I-need-God perspective. So God, would you help our parents? Lord, we pray right now for our leaders, God, We have so many good leaders in this church. Father, first we thank you for them. God, what an influence they're having. God, we pray that you would multiply their efforts. God, we pray that where we have holes and where we even need more leaders, we pray you would provide. God, I think of the dads down in Mod 7 right now, thinking about their own children. God, we pray for them as a church right now. God, we pray that you would allow them, when they get out, to be the best dads they can possibly be as they're submitted to the purposes of God. Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for the next generation and the stewardship that you give us with them. And We pray this all in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.